everyone, and welcome back to the Jack X podcast. We are being joined today by Guy Parsons. Welcome, welcome. Um, Guy, thank you so much for, for joining us here today. It's, it's great to be here. Thank you uh, so much for having me. Oh, great. And just, you know, a little background on Guy. Guy is actually a content creator when it comes to AI designs. He's working across a couple of the platforms that are really kind of cutting edge dealing with, with how we use data learning, technology, and really creative all kind of coming together in this really interesting, let's call it storm for now, this interesting storm. <laughs> I'm sure you have a better way of explaining that though, Guy. Uh, yeah, so I've been um, working in like publishing content online, kind of my whole career, like the past decade, uh, like even before social media goes that far back, there was a time before that. Um, uh, and really my interest in creating content with AI has really come about really over the last just year or even like less time than that because the the caliber of the tools that have come out have been like game changing in quality and it's like this huge leap forward and what it's possible to kind of accomplish. It's super interesting. It's uh it's um it's moving super fast. Um so yeah I um I mean the first kind of major announcement and uh for this uh, the tool Dally 2 which you might have heard of came out came out just in uh, April this year April 2022 uh, and so much has happened just in the last what are we looking at now five months that um yeah it's an interesting time it's so crazy isn't it I mean I feel like it's as we talk about AI technology, right? It's It's been this big kind of looming figure in all conversations, whether you're talking about the finance space, the tech space, um, you know, the, the business space and, and then the creative space, of course, as we look at, well, what can we do with technology? But it's, I, I mean, I feel like we've, it's only a couple of years ago that we were talking about natural language processing and how that was revolutionizing AI. And now all of a sudden we're here and we're talking about, totally original AI generated art and, and creative elements. So it seems like there's been such a fast leap forward in such a short amount of time. Is that, do you think that's an oversimplification for a lot of people or you feel like that's how it feels to you as well? No, that, I think that's how it feels to me as well. I think perhaps it might be the case that the kind of amount of effort that's been expended and the kind of rate of technical discovery has kind of moved maybe in a more straight line but mm. at the same time then there's kind of a inflection point isn't there you know it's like you can slowly heat water and then suddenly it starts to boil even though it's been going up kind of at an even rate the whole time so yeah i mean it's starting to it's starting to bubble for sure <laughs> um uh and yeah it came about via I mean, it, it's it's become quite a well-funded space um, uh, over the past few years. Um, OpenAI, he developed Dali 2, are backed by Microsoft to the tune of roughly a billion dollars, I believe, and then DeepMind, which is owned by Google. And it's maybe less pertinent to what we're talking about today, but famously had that big leap forward a year or two ago from like, there's this game, the game Go, if you're aware of it, it's a little like chess, but much harder to solve uh, in a way and they were like well computers are never going to figure this out and then they kind of it did and then not only that then they found a way where they could like teach like a brand new instance of it to become the best go player in the world in like a, a day which was not meant to be able to happen um, and that was one of the many things that have happened over like the past several years where mm. things that were have been kind of ruled out or considered 
um, a long way ahead was suddenly here and happening now. Yeah, and you mentioned, I think you call out rightly, there is an influx of energy and attention being put in this space, of course, because of the many benefits that are being seen across, you know, especially when it comes to driving business value and efficiency. But for me, I feel like there's also a level of comfortability that's emerging, right? You, you have generations of creators of, of comfortability with the technology and its potential because you have creators who are maybe less precious about having a computer do some of the work or, you know, or, or contributing to that, which I also find fascinating. You know, there's something about that relationship of us with technology that maybe then lends itself to what we create and where we focus our efforts. Yes. Uh, and I think a similar point to um, creators becoming more comfortable with these tools is also that even though these are kind of initiatives that have quite a lot of commercial backing, I think because they haven't found their um, commercialization route yet, there's still quite an academic tradition of like publishing discoveries. So a lot of the steps forward you've seen in like text to image AI this year come have come about as um, part of the clip model, which is something that like OpenAI developed last year, which turns um, images into text, you know, like captions things. Um, but they like published that last year. So like developers, kind of people at home, researchers around the world could like download it and riff off it. And they also kind of alluded to this, that you could like throw it into reverse. They kind of teased Dali, but without letting anyone try it. But just kind of explaining that that was possible and giving people some of the underpinning technology is what means that although when Dali came out, Dali 2 came out this year, it seemed like this light years ahead thing. There were actually a lot of smaller companies smaller organizations like some as small as three people who have put out stuff that in my opinion is kind of equally if not more usable and and just as interesting based on this kind of open sharing of, of discovery and then of course you have a new kind of a third contender in this which is a company called stability ai and they've actually just published their model wholesale for anyone to download if you have a fast enough computer you can run it at home which is um and then obviously that gives other uh, entrepreneurs, creators, people with some technical chops, they can then take that model, put their own twist on it, um, start discovering, you know, how it works um, and upgrading it and putting that to kind of other uses. So it's like very, it's come from this very like closed ecosystem that I think, especially with big tech, we're used to um, things being controlled by Facebook or things being controlled by Google. And this is a lot more, even though those players are in the game, the way the kind of discoveries are being shared and the people that are pushing it forward seems a lot more open. Well, it's the age of the creator, which I'm sure we'll talk we'll talk more about because this is exactly the crux of it. I mean, you already mentioned it, but let's dive deeper into kind of what will be the main focus of our conversation, which is all about this kind of uh, original, uh, you know, image creation. And you just mentioned text to image models. Can you just explain that really simply, kind of what that really means when you're talking about, you know, AI and creation? Yeah, it's kind of what it sounds like, which is that you type in a sentence um, and then you get a picture back. Um, but it's it's kind of like wizardry. It feels there's a lot of controversy over whether it's art or whatever else, which we'll put to one side for now. But it definitely feels like going on Google Images, but rather than it looking for photos that do exist, 
it's just we'll just make it um you know so whether that's a, a, a you know godzilla having his lunch on a park bench or you know a polaroid photo of a wilting rose petal or a gorgeous watercolor painting of um the statue of liberty having um a croissant there's a lot of big things eating in these examples but that's the always stuff you type in you're like i bet it can't do that and then it does so yeah uh, and these these models i guess the most important thing to know is they've been trained on anywhere between 400 million uh and 5 billion images each with a caption that's how it's learned what stuff looks like it's not drawing on those images at the time it's not taking like, a bit of this photo some people think oh it's taking like a bit of that photo and a bit of this photo but instead it's looked at like billions of photos the same way you've seen a dog millions of times so if you had to draw a dog you'd kind of know what to do and it's done that for an enormous amount of things uh and it draws and when you type in the sentence it kind of takes that apart guesses what you mean and then um yeah assembles it into a, an image I mean, and for anybody listening who's ever tried to create a mood board, what you just described, I mean, sounds like heaven, right? I don't need to go and search Google for the one perfect image I want of a, of a I want a jewel tone palette couch in the middle of a forest. You can just ask it to be made and it, and it appears. Yeah, it's, it's wild. I mean, even... And there's so many interesting nuances. So, of course, you can, like, define the subject. Um, yeah, like a couch in a forest. But then we can start thinking about, you know, the weather conditions, the setting. And you can start defining, you know, mentioning, like, the kind of film it's shot on. Um, the Yeah, the lighting conditions, the type of camera, all these kinds of things. And they're all steering it towards, like, one kind of image or another. So if you want something fun, colourful, or... Um, it definitely does benefit as well um people with like a background in like the visual arts because if you're new to it which i am uh then you don't necessarily know like what is the name of that aesthetic or that look or you know so if you're kind of literate in it even if you're not um, a creator of it historically then um that definitely gives you an advantage um and then there's yeah there's both recreating the real world which i've kind of just alluded to um but there's a whole still undiscovered uh, palette of effects that are possible when you start combining um, real things. So, which, because, you know, we're already, we're still discovering like, oh, does it know um, what a Kodachrome photograph looks like or this? But then if you start doing like, what if like, what if Van Gogh <laughs> took a photo? Or what if like, um, you know, uh, Rembrandt um, and Mondrian collaborated on a vase. Like all this kind of, there's all these other like as yet uncombined ideas, which no one, even the people that have made it, obviously don't know what it knows. They just showed it all this stuff and were like, do what you can. But guy, that almost sounds like, and I'm doing, I'm, I'm not playing devil's advocate, but I'm doing the thing that everybody does with AI, which is what we humanize it, right? We, we give it feelings and emotions, but what you're describing sounds like imagination, but what it really is, is it's, is it's kind of, if you're taking an entire library, smashing it together, finding commonalities, and then kind of taking bits to produce something, right? It's not really imagination. It's taking learnings 
and then applying different levels of those learnings in order to create some sort of visual representation. Did I just make that really insane? Uh, no, I think I think that's right. I, but I, I'm not. I mean, there's different elements to creativity, I guess, but a large part of them is like combining surprising things. It's it's the salted caramel. It's the it's the you know the abstract and the figurative. It's you know it's bringing together different elements, especially in a surprising way that might be um, uh, powerful culturally because you're combining things that would kind of anachronistically, or it could be an odd you know an aesthetic combination of different things that you're that you're that you're bringing together. And that's kind of I think if something that's truly original we kind of wouldn't recognize because we'd be like I don't know <laughs> I don't know what I'm looking at it has to be something familiar in a new way um yeah totally well and so I, you know you've, you've already started to mention a couple of the the tools but just to take a little step back th there are a lot of tools and platforms that are starting to emerge kind of tackling this idea um can you just talk about what some of these options are that exists um that look to kind of take text to image and, and use that model and you know what some of them are offering yeah so there's three major um tools at the moment um dali 2 which was uh produced by OpenAI, the company i mentioned before based in san francisco um several hundred people lots of researchers um and they rolled that out very slowly during the spring and summer of this year to just a few hundred people and then a few thousand more um very concerned with like misuse of the tool um and how it might be put to less than scrupulous ends um but have now have since uh, released it to like a million people i think there's still like technically a wait list but i think you could go and use it i'm on it i'm on the wait list don't worry i'm a late bloomer <laughs> you can sign up today and, and expect access um fairly soon uh and that was really the one that um uh struck people and kind of seized attention at, at the beginning of this year um yeah makes uh i mean if, if we want to talk about practical things makes pictures there are a thousand pixels square and that's like the output you type something in it gives you four options um and you can download it or not um then there's Midjourney, which is super interesting. I think um, quite powerful tool made by just three people. I think um, that uh, works. You can only you use it via like a, a chat bot. Um, not that you're in conversation with it, but it's like in Slack. If you've ever used Giphy in Slack, uh, you know to be like Giphy, congratulations or whatever. Uh, it works in Discord, which is like the Gen Z kind of gamer version of Slack, but kind of laid out very similarly. And you just have a little chat with the bot and type in your prompts and it again sends you back images. That's very interesting because that's been um, heavily tweaked to always give you back something that looks good. Um, so mm -hmm. Dali 2 is like trained on this kind of really broad range of things. And sometimes you'll get something back that's nice. Sometimes that's kind of, you know, indifferent, even if it's what you asked for, it's not like a cool photo of the thing. It's like quite a plain image. Um, I you get the sense it's maybe been, been trained on quite a lot of stock photography, although none of them, none of the, uh, neither Midjourney nor Dali have revealed what it's been trained mm. on. Um, so, but yeah, it's not only whether it's what Midjourney's been trained on or the kind of the, the way the model's been tweaked since, you know, you can type in something vague like, you know, um, 
thoughtful man looks out of window. And it won't be like me doing this. So you can't see that if you're listening to the podcast. <laughs> you know, it's going to be like a really painterly, like beautiful, like evocative image where he really looks like he's thinking about something serious rather than like um, whether he's got any chocolate left in the fridge. Um, so yeah, that's, you know, uh, really interesting. Someone just used that to create an image and won an art competition in America, which has created a fair bit of controversy. Um, uh, but yeah, that's the kind of thing it specializes in. They've got a very like, clear direction about like where they want to take their product. Um, and then uh, thirdly is um, something that's currently known as stable diffusion, uh, which is like the model um, kind of by a smaller team again called Stability AI based mostly here in London, but with people around the world um, and uh, funded by a guy called Emad Mostak, I think. I'm sorry to Emad if I pronounced either of those halves of your name wrong. And yeah, and again, that's based on, they've also kind of like been creating this alongside Dali. It's based on that same clip and diffusion technology, but unlike uh, OpenAI, who were very cautious about rolling it out and how it might be used and kind of maintaining control over the product so that if you misuse it, they can ban you from it. Um, They've really quickly launched it to a large number of people, basically anybody. And not only that, they've also kind of given up the the keys to the castle. So because people can kind of, they've essentially open sourced the code so people can build their own tools on it and use it for this, that, whatever. So very interesting, different direction. Definitely like informative in terms of thinking about how AI might work in the future. Um, and these kind of, the kind of organization A can have a, cautious you might say more some would say more responsible approach but you know definitely a more cautious approach but because of the nature of technology it only takes another organization to be like no i think it'll be fine let's go um so yeah anyway you can use that now at uh, beta.dreamstudio um and yeah again but they all do that does very similar things they all have their subtleties they don't work you know you can type in the same thing in each three it's a little bit like uh playing on like a synthesizer you know they each have their own kind of sound their own um uh ways of doing things but they're very they're kind of similar tools it's so fascinating you know i've, I've played around a little bit on dolly too uh which is so interesting i mean like you, you know you make it very clear you know you, you put in a prompt essentially um but there is a skill to writing prompts you know, and it almost reminds me of like um, the original Google. When you were doing a Google search or, you know, the original search of the internet, let's, sorry, let's remove Google. The original internet searches, you had to, there was a skill to kind of write a prompt that you would actually deliver the results that you wanted. And it was really interesting because in playing around with Dolly too, you know, making minor changes to the prompts totally changed the output. And it was great because like you said, it's all about the perspective that you see the end being. So you kind of have to have a point of view of what you're trying to create. You have to have a creative vision. Yeah, yeah. If you just type in something in plain language without any kind of style guidance, especially in, in, in Dali, then you're going to probably end up with something quite plain and uninteresting. But then you're like, ah, oh, what is, what should I, what else should I type in? And that's when you have to get out. I mean, yeah, I had to go and buy a bunch of art textbooks because I was like, what is the name of that thing? You know, when it's like oldie fashioned, like, because uh, I don't know. And now, and now I, yeah, I know. So I, I put together 
people were discovering all these different things that were possible. Um, so that's why I was kind of why I maybe should have mentioned this at the beginning is maybe why I'm here, which is I put together something called the prompt book, uh, which is a free PDF. You can search it online. Um, and will be linked in the podcast as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, and again, that's not exhaustive, right? Because this thing has seen uh, billions of images, but you know, it's just kind of a whistle stop tour through all the things you can kind of prompt it to do, you know, so um, the different kind of art history styles, different like illustration mediums. Yeah, because usually when software is produced, the programmers know what it can do, you know, like Photoshop, there aren't like mystery buttons where Adobe go, oh, I don't know what it does. <laughs> but in this, you know, even the, the people that developed it didn't kind of individually teach it one art style at a time. It's just been to every gallery in the world. And uh, now, we're, now we're kind of doing science back at it uh, to unpick um, what that means. Um, but it is interesting, especially, um, I think that's where like we'll see a lot of innovation in the next few months because DALI is just a white text box. It's like extremely user I mean, it's very simple. It's not techy, but there's no like handholding. <laughs> there's no like, why not try that? Um, oh, it looks like there's no like clippy of Danny. There's no like, it looks like you're trying to make a cool image. Like, why, um, uh, and they each. Would you like some help? You're failing very hard. <laughs> yeah. So actually, you are seeing a bunch of um, kind of startups or kind of bedroom based products, uh, products of the kind of these galleries, interactive tools, um, yeah, libraries of, of language and images, kind of mood boards to help people uh, like your eye inform them. But none of those kind of exist in the product yet. So I think we'll sort of soon see a bit of crossover of those, those two things. Well, I'm sure that that will then be kind of the corporate offering, right, of, of, of what comes next in the next stage of this. But I mean, you're also, I mean, you mentioned you're the creator of the prompt book, um, but you're also the curator of the Dallery Gallery, uh, I, <laughs> which I just love the name of. Um, it's fun to say, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's great. I mean, it's fantastic naming. Well done. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but what what are you seeing a lot of kind of diversity pop up in there or are you seeing actually just very similar everyone's just in the similar stage of you kind of said it academic testing it's this big free-for-all of just what is possible what are the limits of what we've created um and where can it go is that what you're seeing now i think so i think we're seeing all kinds i mean we're seeing it's moving so fast it's quite intimidating as a field to cover um just because the technology is changing. When I created the prompt book, there was really only Dali. Um, I'm still kind of never sure where to like land the emphasis when I say that, but you know, so there's one thing, but now there's obviously multiple things where you could type in things and they all give different responses. So now that's like, feels like four times as much work today to even create something, to even keep up with it. Okay, so we're seeing a lot of people still just typing in, you know, new people are using it every day. So people are having, uh, fun new ideas um you always kind of start out just trying to create surreal like funny images right it's like Kermit the Frog like, like I just said at the beginning I'm still doing it now like at the beginning of this podcast it's like um Kermit the Frog on a jet ski um that kind of thing um people are I, I, people are exploring how it can be used because the images are good but they're not always like perfect um, 
So there's kind of how you might use that in like a larger workflow uh, and whether you want to make that a thing or not, right? So people, on the one hand, you've got a kind of use which is like very much, this is AI art and isn't it amazing that a computer did this? And then you've got other people who are like, well, you know, I just want to use it as part of my practice. Like I don't, when I make a poster or something, I'm not like, like wow, look at the photoshopping. Like the photoshopping should hop, like disappear into the background. So you're seeing people use it as part of videos, like to make textures for games as part of like design projects. Um, but then you're also seeing people kind of push the algorithm into kind of uh, interesting directions. Um, you can do things like variations so you can give it images and get it to like create similar images. Um, so then if you kind of leap from similar to similar to similar images, like how far away do you get from where you started and like how weird does it become and does this let us learn something about how it thinks mm. yeah, and then you've got other people that are like me are being super methodical there's like a group of people who have tracked over like 300 famous artists and kind of been seeing basically test giving it the ultimate art history exam that are being yeah kind of taking things in a more um methodical direction and i think that that just speaks to people's kind of interests and personality as to they look at it you know some people always want to I think when you show it, it's a, a tool when you show it to people, like some people want to break it. Like some people are like, what happens if you just put in like a space? Because <laughs> some people are like instantly like, how can we make it fall over? Which isn't like a bad thing. Like, um, or, or, wait, what, or another one is like, oh, what if you get to ask it to do a self-portrait? And the, these kinds of, you know, interesting, like conceptual tests of the system. Don't worry, guys, some people just want to watch the world burn. We get it. Everyone, you know, there's always the people who just race to the bottom. I mean, and then there's this whole kind of ferocious and uh, quite uh, impolite debate uh, between, especially between people who are primarily interested, right, in using it just to create images that are very close to finished images, but like is a big part of their workflow, but then they feel that they are the artist, but they're making art with it. Um, and other artists who think that's absolute nonsense and they uh although i think they could both spend more time making images and less time arguing with each other on twitter but um yeah that, that might be a separate podcast to decide whether or not it's actually art <laughs> and also the role of like where does the decisions about how the model works because that obviously informs a large part not only the practice images generated but also like some of the aesthetic decisions that have gone into gone into the image yeah you know it's a it's a really interesting subject we, we don't have to linger on this too long but you know uh, you know when we talk about art or creation everything is a matter of layering of knowledge and experience right we all kind of take in our influences and, and kind of spit it back out and it seems like you know, one of the most interesting parts of platforms like this, at least from my point of view, and probably a marketing industry point of view is, well, how does it push creativity, though? You know, how does it get you to think about things that you maybe hadn't thought of? You know, we are such as, as humans, we are very limited by what we have seen. Um, and we're very influenced by those things. And so the idea that you could have a whole new source of influence come in, that really does force you to maybe break your mind open or break the conversation open is really exciting and that alone sounds like you know a really new proposition for everybody yeah because you've got text to image models which are exciting very interesting um and i don't want to take humans out of the equation altogether but obviously one thing they are good at is not only interpreting the sentence but creating images 
So there's that's again speaks to two ways of using it. Some people are going in with like a concrete idea of what they want to see. Um, and the art of that is, you know, describing it with sufficient detail and understanding what the AI understands to kind of accomplish that effect. But there's a second direction, which is, well, this can create some really interesting stuff. How can I get it to show me something that I wouldn't have thought to type in? Like, how, <laughs> what else, like, you know, the, the possibility space of what it can do is so massive. How can we kind of steer it, but then actually, like, allow ourselves to like be surprised by it rather than be like, that's not what I thought. That's not what I was expecting, but get something I'm not expecting. Um, and use that as to kind of provoke, um, to be almost like in a creative partnership with you. Well, and that kind of speaks to what you were saying before about the difference of some of these platforms, you know, mid journey has more of a point of view of the style of things that they're trying to create versus a completely, you know, blank page, a completely open field with something like Dolly. Um, and, you know, again, maybe I'm oversimplifying this, but it feels like you, I could see a future where also you're kind of be able to kind of put on filters of like, you know, either go more broad or go closer to what I said, right? Either show me things that are, you know, exactly what I asked for or 30% more than I asked for. Well, like that's like really interesting because again, I, I talk about this like it's ancient history. It's all in the last few months, but um, open AI with Dali again, being very safety conscious, also uh, some communications, um, people with a, from kind of like an Apple background. So it's, it's quite a lot more like we'll tell you when we want to. Um, so it's a lot more like there's a Dali model, like that's it. Has it changed? They're not saying like that's and you know, and it's down to you to learn how to use it. Whereas these other two systems, um, like let's talk about mid journey, you know, they kind of test, like they'll be like, oh, we have like version 1.2 or like the creative model, which is exactly what we were just talking about. And now we have like a more realistic model and people are like testing that out. They're comparing how the two kind of interpret something. The previous one still exists, which is super important for people that want to use this as part of like a practical creative practice. Like if you log in tomorrow and now it does the pictures differently, but like that's, you're using, that's, you use it to create a picture like this. And now it, it doesn't do that. That's like a huge problem. So yeah, having like multiple models, tra like um, having AIs that are trained on like different sets of data and different subsets of data, and then tweaking kind of what you might call the weights or the balances of how these different kind of characteristics are prioritized at the time of ge generating an image. That's, I think, again, going to be super interesting from the future. Um, they also, researchers in Tel Aviv, um, also like, this is quickly, it's moving, like published a few weeks ago that you can now also teach um, uh, AI, these models, what something new is with just like three to five images. So you can upload an object or maybe like some paintings you've done like, and call that like, you know, Jack's style. And then from now on, and now you can start going, well, do this in the style of Jack, do that in the style of Jack. And that was like an academic paper like three weeks ago, but now that exists. So that's also really interesting, not prompting with text, but prompting with all kinds of things like um, images and real life objects. And I, I mean, that's the, the training element. It seems like, you know, and my next thing was going to be, I'm obviously focused on one area of potential, but th th there's so many. And the training aspect of AI, which that is 
the the that's the curse of AI and also the salvation is it can be trained on anything. <laughs> so if you give it bad data, you'll get bad output. And if you give it good input, you'll get good output. Um, so that's fascinating. Can you talk a little bit more about, you know, where you see the potential of like, I mean, how it can be saying it can be used for good makes it sound so dramatic, but it feels like everyone has made the conversation this very like evil AI versus good AI. Mm. Yeah, I, I think it's all about the analogy that you reach for. Um, although, as we've learned, each technology has its own unique qualities and also the future is quite unpredictable. I don't think when Facebook came out, we were like, this could lead to far-right populism in 10 years. Um, <laughs> but, you know, here we are. Um, so without making too many like predictions for the future and it actually brings it a little bit more down to like a pedestrian level I think actually because there's a lot of like oh like in three years like it will be making us like our own personal Netflix series which also like technically that is like a huge leap <laughs> it's not like oh like how hard could that like it can do Kermit on a jet ski so why can't it do jet ski Kermit the movie it's like quite a anyway it's quite a different thing but the way I think about it right now is kind of um like earlier music technology like the rise of like synthesizers and that kind of early ability to bring in like computing maybe fairly primitive computing uh into music creation so suddenly you can kind of um bring in violins without recording a violinist um violinists you'll notice i think that's important to remember because violinists they're still there like drum machines do not mean the end of drummers um and what it really did is like now if you're a kid and you want to like, or anyone, an adult, uh, you know, make, like record a track in your bedroom, you, it's okay. Like you don't need to know a drummer. You can, there's, there's samples and there's garage band and there's these things. And so this person that might have not been able to record a song with percussion in before, uh, you know, to demo it now can. So it's, it's unlocked something new. And I don't, I'm not like an expert in the economics of like, um, percussion, professional percussionists. I'm sure it's kind of influenced that, but at the same time, it's helped a lot more people like, make a lot more music, some of which will go on to be performed live and all the rest of it. Um, it's also interesting that those technologies are used, they're used in mm -hmm. uh, more and less obviously. So some music we consider like electronica, like that's the name of the genre, electronic dance music, like it's all kind of generated or like composed with those tools, but at the same time, um, an album that we would see as like acoustic folk, you know, still a lot of those tools will have gone into it. We just don't consider, they're just not kind of front and center, but it's still been produced digitally. It's been chopped and changed and remastered and tweaked. And like a lot of the same technology has gone into the process. And I think we'll see AI, some things will be very AI <laughs> and other things will just quietly have bits of that sprinkled in to kind of paper over uh, paper over the gaps. And then uh, the second technology I compare it to is like Google Translate, which is most people, me included, are not natural visual communicators, but that is something quite powerful and special about communicating visually. Um, and so I think you can level at it today. There's a lot of criticisms people are making of it, which I think are valid, but I think you could also level at like, Oh, Google Translate is never gonna, you know, it's never gonna 
invent new words though. Like it's never going to like create a poem. And it's like, but that's okay because what I want to do is just <laughs> roughly explain something to someone like in this other language as a starting point. And again, without being deep into the economics of translation, you know, for high profile, important things where things have to be right, human translation is still the gold standard. And a lot of the times those machine tools are deployed, it's in a context where if I want to read something in uh, Le Monde, I would not have previously been on the phone to get myself a, like, a French translator. I just wouldn't have been able to read it. So it's adding a lot of value at the bottom. It is mixing things up a bit. I don't want to be naive. But yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting starting point. And we are going to see it get better and improve and be used in um, new ways and built into tools we're maybe more familiar with. Um, but yeah. Absolutely. I love the way that you're looking at it as, as, as a new channel for discovery um, and creation, um, but just frankly, another tool at our disposal. That's really what it is, right? Creativity. I mean, we've seen this time over and over, you know, when the AI created commercials and, and things like that, or when AI tries to write a story, like creativity will probably always be a very unique human trait, but having better tools that allow you to express yourself and create original ideas, or frankly, just explore uh, what is possible, that's always going to be something that has value. And it seems like in this case that that could only grow and those channels could could only get bigger at this point. Yeah, and I still think human authorship is like the importance of human authorship is not kind of inherent in like a lot of the things people are talking about. And it's not to do with like the caliber of the AI. Like even if AI could communicate as effectively I don't want to get too futuristic about it, but my argument isn't that it will never be as good as a human. It's just that it matters whether a human is saying it. Does that make sense? Like it will always, we'll always be looking for a message that someone, a real person is trying to tell us. Um, we're not just looking at it as kind of entertainment. We're looking at things, um, real ideas brought to us by real people. Now, you know, these tools I think will be used as part of that process, but you know, that's always going to be like crucial in so many contexts, I think. That's awesome. And th thank you so much, Guy. I mean, you've just covered so much, we've covered such a wide s span of topics and, and potential here. I, I know we've, um, we've been jumping around a little bit, but, you know, just as we kind of start to wind down, you know, it's easy to see how programs like this, Dolly, you know, um, Mid Journey, Stability AI, and others, whoever comes next, how this could go right now, they're static images. Uh, and how this could very quickly go into animation or 3D or video. Is that kind of what you see as the next logical step just from looking at all these creators? Or or, or what do you think, you know, is, is coming probably, frankly, in the next year or so, given how fast people are developing this stuff? Yeah, it's really, really hard to predict because it is moving so fast. It's definitely moving faster than I imagined, than I think most people kind of anticipated. There's certain kind of technical, let, let me put it this way, like the, like some of the, some of the things required to do, create more advanced um, forms of uh, culture, like cultural objects. They're not all the same problem. So just cause you can create a picture doesn't, it's like a different problem to can you create like a series of pictures that make sense like one after the other. Obviously there is kind of a drive towards 
kind of back-end AI technology that is adaptable and might be able to solve multiple things. Like, definitely some of the learnings from that will apply, like, that we've already, that have already been made will apply to, like, the next step. But interestingly, you do kind of have this patchwork now of fun... Well, why don't I ask an easier question, Guy, because I think that was quite loaded. Why don't I say, um, what are you, what would you be excited to see? So why don't I just like kind of restate that from the idea of like, from your perspective, what would be exciting to see kind of come and develop with this? Does that sound like a better, a better question to ask? Yeah, let me do that then. Um, so yeah. So, I mean, there's so much being done. I mean, you've talked about it, especially being able to curate and see all the things, different things that people are creating and trying to keep up with it. But what are you excited about potentially coming or what would you love that started to come next or this direction of technology to go in? Um, it's hard to say. I think there's so much um, uh, potential, even in people that are kind of outside AI catching up with it and you, even just using it for all the things it's already capable of, but discovering them. Um, I think one th uh, area that's going to be super interesting is that we're going to see um, like smaller models um, and smaller uses that are more custom to like a particular output. So at the moment, they're very much um, up for anything. <laughs> like if you can type it in, it will try and do it. But you might start to see it used. Like let's say there's um, something just for character design, right? Or just for like monster design or toy design or interiors or whatever and it's like very focused around these different use cases because at the moment it's really solving the problem of like do you need like a square picture that's like web resolution but you could see that that that's a bit vague but you could see tailored uh, things um that are built using the same technology to like deliver particular outcomes and i think that's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting to see who actually how does this actually end up being used like day to day so that's super cool. I think we're going to see see it start to use uh, more in a kind of brand kind of context because now it's super interesting that you can kind of work with like visual mm. styles like beyond, you know, especially for like smaller creators, smaller companies. Um, how can you bring in kind of these kind of images, a kind of universe to make something coherent? Um, one thing that they're quite bad at at the moment is like doing the same thing again and again. But even that is starting to change because people are starting to work out how to control it. But, you know, how can I get if I've made one image that I love, how can I kind of keep the things that I like about it and only change the things that I don't um, or that I want to change? So more control from image to image, I think will be again. Yeah, that prompt that those, you know, the, the prompt tools meeting the actual making the imaging tools that's going to like educate a whole bunch of I've learned about so many artists just doing it but it's going to help people make um better images and it's going to help um help people find new, new uses for it so I think and then the kind of coming months just some people that are playing that valuable like middleman role from like the core tech to like how how is this like beyond a toy and into something that's like quite powerful. Absolutely. I know you've talked about this before. I mean, even from potentially product development, right? How that could change things for, for maybe a smaller company uh, and they way they approach that. Um, there's just so much potential. Uh, I love it. Yeah. It's really exciting time. I know that some people are a little unnerved by it and I would never want to kind of just be patronizing to that because it is, uh, it does raise all kinds of questions, um, but 
So far, so good, maybe. <laughs> Unless you came second in that art competition in America to the guy that in the meeting. all down, which I also understand. But yeah, we're going to, I think it's, you know, and again, like the people, well, now this is available to more people. What is considered like creative, like the bar, I don't think um, rises in a scary way. It raises an exciting way. It's like, it brings everybody up. From some people, it brings them up from like me, like can barely draw a stick man. But if you're already a creator, it's just like say it's another tool that you can use, you, you can draw upon the same as anybody else while continuing to, because you know, some people are, are blessed with the gift of being like, okay, what's like the wildest thing we can do with it? So it's going to be exciting to see people um, use it to unlock new things that wouldn't have been possible before. Well, Guy, this has been such an interesting conversation. I'm so glad that that you're kind of, well, that I'm on your side of the table as far as the optimistic opportunity of what's possible. You know, technology is always going to raise new questions for us to answer. It's always going to shed light on maybe some gray area, but, you know, it's all within kind of our control and potential. And it seems that is the same when we look at, you know, AI technology, uh, whether that's in text to image models or frankly, any sort of artificial intelligence creation. Uh, it's a really fantastic space. And, and just thank you for your time and, and all your knowledge. It's been great to have you. Thank you so much. Um, it's been um, lovely to join you. I've really enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, I suggest whether you're excited by the space, Bit worried about the space definitely follow it because new stuff is happening all the time and um i think it's uh it's definitely worth knowing about <laughs> absolutely and for anybody who's curious who hasn't gotten their approval to dolly too yet you know check out the dowry gallery and also uh the prompt book that guys put together uh, lots of great information there and frankly helps explain a lot of, we, of what we've been talking about in the potential so check those out uh, and great, we'll chat to you all next time.